Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never, ever give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, my brothers and sisters, listen. Our Lord, the Christ, requires our complete allegiance and faithfulness. His message will never change. It is repent or perish. Oh, beloved, listen. In these these dark, evil times that we are living in today, this world, by and large, is going straight to a burning hell. Listen, this message of repentance is going nowhere. We see in the Bible, Elijah told the people to repent. Isaiah told the people to repent. Joel told the people to repent. Jonah told the people to repent. Jeremiah, Micah, Amos, Malachi, all had a message of repentance. Jesus Christ said, Repent or perish. His disciples said, Repent. This year, 2023, the message still hasn't changed. Amen. Glory be to God. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, trial, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Amen. So, beloved, I know, yes, Holy Spirit, I know, We have been beating this horse to 
death. We cannot continue to live a life that is rife with sin and still say we love Jesus because Jesus tells us in the Gospels who love him. It is those who obey his commandments. So this promise to receive the crown of life, well, James 1, 2 is telling us this crown of life will be given to the one the Lord has promised it to. It is to those and those alone who love him. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us in John 14, verse 15, If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. Oh, beloved, the wonderful promises we have. Starting up in verse 1, John 14, Jesus says as he comforts his disciples, and this is for us today, who are students of his, do not let your heart be troubled. Troubled. Believe confidently in God and trust in him. Have faith. Hold on to it. Rely on it. Keep going and believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you because I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Amen. And to the place where I am going, you know the way. But Thomas said, verse 5, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one, no one comes to the Father but through me. Amen. Glory be to God. So, beloved, what we talking about today? Well, we are talking about how Christ Jesus requires our faithfulness. Because the whole crux of his message is repent or perish. Scripture alone talks about blessings. It talks about blessings to the one who does not walk in the ways of darkness. And we cannot be hypocrites about this. We can't claim that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, but 
the lifestyle we live is anything but godly and holy. Look at Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Amen. See, beloved, see this progression that when we continue to indulge in sin and there is no fear of the Lord, well, we would we will continue to further, further live a life characterized by sin. It starts with little steps. And the next thing you know, you are rolling around in your vomit. And you will seek out false teachers that will tickle your ear with false doctrine about how you can disobey God and still have eternal life anyway. Oh, beloved, listen. Psalm 119 verse 2. See, this is why I love the word of God because it stops the madness. It truly does. It definitely puts a kibosh on the foolishness. Listen, Psalm 119.2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Amen. Proverbs 4.10. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life, may be many. Amen. Proverbs 10.6 Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Oh, beloved. Let us read Jeremiah 7 verses 5 through 7 and then we are going to talk about repentance and what it means to perish jeremiah says for if you truly amend your ways and your deeds if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Amen. Yes, Holy Spirit. See, beloved, the Father has not changed his position at all. Blessings 
is here. But to the ones and for the ones who obeys him. He's telling us through the prophet Jeremiah to turn from your wicked ways. Stop doing evil. Turn back to me and you will be blessed. It's not complicated. It only gets complicated when you want sin, this world, and holy God. And that's where we get a bunch of false doctrines like eternal security, like hyper grace. Everything is grace, 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 which is in fact wonderful. But we don't continue to sin and then hide up under grace as if God is not writing all of this down. Our wicked ways are not veiled from him, beloved. He wants us to repent and stop the foolishness and the madness and and not grieve his Holy Spirit as we are being consecrated and sanctified. Yeah, it's not hard. We, we don't find anything that he tells us to do burdensome. It's not a burden to us to listen, follow, and obey Jesus Christ. Nope. It's not. So, what else I got for you? Hmm. Matthew 25, 21. Jesus was given this parable, right? And so, he was saying how his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Amen. So what are you doing with the talents that Holy God has given you to, to steward over and manage Throughout your time on this earth. Out of all what he has given us to do. That will bring glory to him. Are we doing it with diligence and faithfulness? Or are we just being slothful and lazy. And then want to claim about how it's impossible to stop sinning. Don't you sin? We all sin. No, ain't nobody joining the peanut gallery because we understand that eternity is waiting for all of us. Now, how will you spend your time in eternity? Will it be tormenting day and night with no relief in the lake of fire or enjoying the kingdom? Mm-hmm. Okay, because Jesus says in Revelation 1, 3, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, 
for the time is near. Oh, beloved, listen and listen up. We can keep playing around with our salvation if we want to. Because, listen, death comes suddenly. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, without warning. It's never a good time to die if you are still living in willful, deliberate, blatant sin, rejecting all what Christ has done for you. Death is never a good time, beloved. So, we are going to be taking a quick look at Luke 13, verses 1 through 5. Because this message of repentance is not going anywhere. And we are going to be talking about some some of the misconception conceptions about repentance whether or not it is a work we do to earn favor with God whether or not it is a work unto salvation so what really is repentance all about is it a work is it a gift? Is it a force? What is this thing about repentance? Because if Jesus is telling us to repent, it is something noteworthy that we should know about. Amen. Because apparently without repentance, you're gonna perish. So we better know, well, what is repentance? Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Listen, okay. Luke 13, 1 through 5. Let's read this. There were some present at the very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices, and he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower and solemn fell and killed them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? Verse 5. No, I tell you no. But unless you repent, Jesus is saying, you will all like them, likewise perish. Amen. So, in this Bible reading right here, we see that repentance is an important aspect of Jesus' message. 
He tells us that unless we repent, we will perish. Just like the people mentioned in this scripture. Because, you see, beloved, to repent means to change one's heart and mind. Because in biblical times, it was a military word that referred to a soldier marching in one direction who who then turns around to march the other way. So in biblical usage, it therefore means turning away from sin and towards God. When we repent, we view sin the way God views it. We see it as evil and are grieved when we commit it. When we repent, we also stop rejecting who Jesus Christ truly is and accept him as our crucified and risen Lord and Savior. So, in its basic understanding, repentance means that we change our minds about sin and about Jesus. It means that no longer do we see and view sin as the big time fun. And not only that, we no longer think that God is playing with that lake of fire. Oh, beloved, repentance produces good works because True repentance, that whole changing of your mind, results in a change in your behavior. We see in Acts 26, 20. But declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. Amen. Glory be to God. And so, true repentance also results where we no longer live for ourselves, but for Christ Jesus, our old selves were crucified with Christ and we were raised as new people together with him in holy baptism. We see in Romans, Romans 6, 3 to 5, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, well, we too might walk in newness of life. Amen. Verse 5, Romans 6. 
For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Amen. So, my brothers and sisters, as new creations, with God dwelling within us, our desire is to please him and live according to his will, not to continue living in sin. And this is all that Holy Spirit has been conveying to us over these past weeks and months. It is no longer us who lives. Because Christ lives in us. Listen, these bodies have been crucified. No longer do we want. Because see, that's the whole crux right there. No longer do we want to sin against God. We, like the Bible tells us in Romans 6, to consider ourselves dead to sin and our relationship to it broken. Sin is no longer our master. Nope. Therefore, we do not continue to go on living in sin. And we cannot use grace as a cover-up to do it. No, beloved. Listen. Just so... <clears throat> just so we are crystal clear. Repentance must never be seen as a work that we must do before we can be saved. Let me say that again. Because many claim that this is what we are teaching. No, it is not. How about this? Stop sinning. Therefore, you can be able to hear the word of the Lord. Now, calm down. Repentance must never be seen as a work that we must do before we can be saved. Because it is something that only God produces within us. Listen, Acts 11, 18. When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Amen. So, yes, Holy Spirit, repentance is a critical, crucial aspect to us receiving eternal life because true repentance Results in a change of behavior. No longer are you behaving hellified 
on the earth. But you are actually being diligent in crucifying, crucifying, crucifying that flesh. Amen. And then we see over here in 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 to 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses, and they, verse 26, I love it, 2 Timothy 2, and they may come to their senses, and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Amen. I love it. Repentance brings us to our senses to stop sinning and being a slave of the devil when Christ Jesus has already rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Again, beloved. We ain't got no business practicing willful sin as a lifestyle. Oh, beloved, listen. Okay, because according to the Lord Jesus Christ, unless we change our hearts and minds from living a life of unbelief and sin, to living a life of faith and obedience to God, we will perish in the same way that those up there in Luke 13, 3 to 5, those people, the same way that they perished suddenly and without warning. Because listen, the word for perish in this context, doesn't simply mean die, but but it also denotes being separated from God eternally. Listen, all we gotta do, right? Let's come over here to John three sixteen, and take it to verse eighteen. For God so loved the world that He gave. His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, that is to initiate the final judgment, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Amen. And we know that believing in Jesus is not having mental ascension about who he is. Oh, you may know about Jesus, 
But that does not mean that you believe in Jesus because believing in Jesus means obeying Jesus. That you listen to his teachings and then you follow them and do it. Do it without complaint, without twisting and mangling and misinterpreting his words. Nope, not at all. So, Christ Jesus taught that repentance is not simply an optional part of the Christian life, the believer's life, but an essential one. I keep telling y'all by the Holy Spirit, holiness is not optional. I'm telling you, some of you think that being holy is an option. As if you can be holy or it's okay to choose not to be holy. Either way, you still get to go to heaven. And you see, beloved, that's why that damnable doctrine of one saved, always saved, that destructive teaching is sending many to hell because this is what is the yes holy spirit this is the backbone to one saved always saved that holiness is optional whether or not you be holy or not you still get to go to heaven it don't matter if at any point you become an unbeliever let's say but because you've made a confession for Christ way back yonder that you still have eternal life anyway and no one and nobody can can snatch that away from you you know what you're right holy spirit if they are so adamant about that then why aren't they as adamant about obeying Jesus it's like People want to have a way out. No, no, no. People want to have a safety net. They want to have grace to fall back on. That they can slip off, commit spiritual adultery against Jesus, trample over his blood in the process, and still... And still have grace to make their malicious lifestyle legitimate. As if it is okay with holy God that we remain slaves to sin and still get in his kingdom. Can't you see the satanic source in that madness. Because if you can't see it. Then you are blind. You are spiritually blind. Because you are following blind guides. That's. I'm not condemning you. I pray that I'm. Waking you up. 
our faithfulness to Jesus is on the line. And where we spend eternity will be based on just how faithful to the end you were or weren't. I know. That's a work, Cynthia. Yeah, I heard it. I know. Calm down. So, the urgency of repenting now is what drives me and many others who preach holiness, faithfulness, obedience to Christ now that we are born again. We must maintain what Christ has so lovingly done for us. He has diverted God's wrath from being on us unto him. So, now that we are, have been made the righteousness of God, well, we must maintain our salvation by continuing to do those things that pleases the Father. Us staying in fornication, idolatry, adultery, homosexuality, lying and stealing, cutting up does not bring glory to the Father. Not at all. And so another important thing that we see up there in Luke 13 verses 3, no actually 1 through 5 is what Jesus said about the people who died in that passage. Because look, first, there were the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Then there were the 18 on whom the tower and Solemn fell and killed, right? So... Lord Jesus clearly tells us that these people didn't die because they were worse sinners than all the other people living in the same areas. Therefore, we cannot simply assume that people who die of unnatural means are worse sinners than those who die, let's say, of old age. Instead, the Christ used their premature deaths as an example of the urgent need for repentance right here, right now. Because you can't repent after you've died. No, sir. No, ma'am. Not grace. Not repentance is available to those who are taken out of their body suits. Yes, Holy Spirit, think about the parable Jesus gave of the rich man and the beggar Lazarus, who both died on the same day. The beggar went to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man Lifted up his eyes in torments. He was in hell. He was begging Abraham. That. 
somehow a message can be brought to his brothers to not come to this place of torment. And Abraham told him no. So y'all go into the book of Luke, look it up and read it. There is no grace, no mercy, no gift of repentance to those who had the opportunity while in the body suit to receive these wonderful gifts from God. But you chose the world, you chose the flesh, you chose sin over what Christ has done for you. And that is what pretty much, in a nutshell, that Abraham told the rich man who was now tormenting in these flames. Oh, beloved, listen. None of us knows when our time will be finished on the earth because those Galileans and residents in Siloam certainly wouldn't have expected their lives to have ended in that way or at that time. So in the same way, we also can't expect our lives to turn out the way we want when we want. Listen and hear me closely. If you haven't yet repented, repented, then now is better than ever to do so. Because if you die without having repented, you will indeed perish as Jesus said. Amen. If, however, you have repented, then take comfort in the fact that there was much joy in heaven because of this. And that one day, when we remain faithful until the end, the Lord will bring us to where he's at. Oh, beloved, listen, there is much to look forward to on the other side of this life. I'm not talking about reincarnation. I'm not talking about purgatory. I'm talking about spending eternity with the one who created us and saved us from God's wrath. So let's really talk about what is repentance. Okay. And we are going to be looking at the Bible's answer. Amen. So repentance is all about faith and contrition. Because, yeah, that's true. Many people think that repentance is a good work that we do for God. That it is all about turning from our old sinful ways and living a holy life. Listen, beloved, that's not what repentance is. And I know some think that that is what repentance is, that it is a turning from our old ways 
and living a holy life. That work right there. Some believe that that's what repentance is. I know this is a common misconception. Because listen, strictly speaking, repentance is that which leads to all of that. Repentance leads to us turning from our sinful, wicked ways and living a holy life. So, what is repentance? Repentance is not a work that we do in order to be saved. Repentance is a changing of the mindset. It is no longer going in one direction, but you are actually turning and going in the opposite direction. So, strictly speaking, repentance is that which leads to all of the above and takes place before you actually begin doing any good works. And this is what we be trying to explain to those who think we are legalists. That we are telling people to, to do works in order to be saved. No, repentance shows up before you do any works. See, beloved? Listen. Repentance is divided into two parts. You got contrition and then you have faith. Because you see, contrition is the state of feeling remorseful and, and penitent, sorrowful, regret, pangs of conscience. Feeling guilty. Okay? And so, when you put that with faith, then we have what is called repentance. Because biblical repentance is sincere contrition, grief, and remorse over your wrong actions towards God and other human beings. Followed. Followed by faith in Jesus Christ, which we know that through his death, burial, and resurrection, through his shed blood, our past sins are forgiven. This then produces a genuine desire to make amends for your actions, which leads to living a better life and holier life, which is known as the fruits of repentance. Listen, Luke 3, 8, right? John the Baptist, he was telling those religious Pharisees, right? He's telling them, and he's talking to us too, Bear fruits and keeping with repentance. 
And do not begin to say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Amen. So if we say that we are born again, well, the repentance that's working in our lives, it will begin to produce fruits of righteousness, holiness, and obedience. Why? All because of a change in mind. No longer do we want to go to a burning hell. No longer do we want to blaspheme God. No longer do we want to reject Jesus as the Messiah. But God has put in us a heart of flesh that is bendable, moldable, compliant to do His will. No longer are we stubborn, uh, stubborn, reckless, rebellious, and disobedient. No. We now agree with God. You right. I am a sinner on my way to a burning hell. Thank you for sending your son to stand in my place taking my punishment for my wrongdoing. And our response to what Christ has done for us is to live holy in Him with Holy Spirit empowering us to do so. And we are doing all of this because God first loved us. Amen. I'm telling you, beloved, we are so blessed that these scales have now fallen from our eyes. Oh, beloved, listen. God's law and gospel play fundamental roles in biblical repentance. The law of God produces contrition within us. When we realize that we do not measure up to its perfect standards and deserve his eternal punishment. Look at James 2, 8 through 11. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Amen. And you see, beloved, this is why it was impossible for the children of Israel to keep the law. And sad to say, you have many apostates and straight out wolves and charlatans in the pulpit trying to put the saints up under this law. Because James is saying, if you do one 
of those 613 laws of Moses, you must do them all. For even if you if you miss just one, then you become a transgressor, a transgressor of the law. Oh, beloved, listen. Galatians 3.10, right? For all who rely on works of the law, of works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Amen. So this is what we love about grace. Christ Jesus gave us two commandments, right? Gave us two commandments of his law. We are to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is just like it. Because see, it's all about love now, beloved. We are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Because see, now on those two commandments hang all of the law and the writings of the prophet. prophets. Amen. Least we forget what Jesus says in Matthew 25, 46. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Beloved, listen. This terror leads us to the comfort of the gospel of Jesus Christ. From where faith is born, which assures us that we are saved when we believe. Going forward in Christ, we remain faithful. Eternal life is available. No one is saying that it is not. But living a life of repentance, constantly turning over in your mind, checking, examining, reevaluating your life. Are you doing anything that will disqualify you? From inheriting the kingdom of God. This is why we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Look at what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 25, 46. Like I've said in times past on the podcast, it's scriptures like this that keeps me sober-minded. That if I even think about going back to my fornication, adulterous um, way of living by marrying for the fourth time when I have a living spouse who I spoke to today. Trust and believe. He needs to repent, number one. But number two, he is alive. So, scriptures like this keeps me, like I know it keeps you, sober-minded. That the unrighteous will go away into eternal punishment. Oh, beloved, listen.
out of gratitude for God's unmerited and undeserved love, we then do good works in keeping with our repentance. Why? 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us and with the help of Holy Spirit who has made us a new creation, we can walk in the newness of life. We have been born again. So why aren't some of us living as if we have been snatched from hell's fire? We, we should be living a life of humbleness, gratitude, and thankfulness. I don't know about you all, but I am grateful that I am no longer on my way straight to certain damnation. Listen, Colossians 3, right? Verse 10. We are commanded to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Amen. What I'm looking at. I'm looking at. Uh-huh. Yep. But I was looking at 2 Corinthians 3.18. But listen. To what Paul. Is saying over here. In 2 Corinthians 7. 8 through 11. He says. For even if I had made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. Amen. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. Amen. Listen, Paul wrote that repentance is not simply grief, but godly grief, not worldly grief because you got caught. But godly grief, one that is centered on trust in God, which puts us in a right relationship with him and produces within us good works and changed behavior. After all, no person is genuinely sorry would continue to willfully do the same evil thing again and again without making at least some attempt to reform. 
Amen. Because see, beloved, my hand is the first to be raised. When I believed with everything within the fiber of my being that I was born again from January 2002, when I sinned, which, by the way, was continually, but that's another testimony I've already shared. When I sinned, yeah, I felt sorry because, you know, it's like in the moment, you know that this doesn't please God. But I wasn't grieved enough to not do it again and turn and be reformed. I, I was just feeling guilt. In the moment that I got caught. And so now worldly sorrow comes into play. And then I would say to God, I repent. Forgive me. But then I'm right back in it. That's not godly biblical repentance. You want to know why? There was no changing in my mind. I still thought sin was the big time fun. I thought fornication was something to enjoy. I knew it was a sin, but I did it anyway. And to look, to cover up my sin, here I am marrying my partner in fornication. Not understanding that because I have a living spouse, I'm committing adultery. So I'm just like literally compounding the issue. But because I'm sitting up under wolves and sheep's clothing, that who keep teaching me only about prosperity and not sound doctrine, who were only talking about once saved, always saved, I thought, okay, well, you know what? Well, I'm safe now because I'm now married and therefore I'm not fornicating. But hello, I'm committing adultery. See, beloved, see how living in falsity pulls you away from God's truth. I was living in great self-delusion. I was deluded to even think Think that I can compound sin upon sin upon sin and still get into the kingdom. Mm -mm. No, beloved. Listen, okay. According to the Bible, repentance is not something that we decide to do for ourselves. But it is something that God graciously grants us. In other words, repentance is a work of God. A free gift of His grace. Listen. I gave y'all 2 Timothy before, but I'm going to read it again. 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26, right? And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, 
See, beloved, it is God who does the granting of repentance. This is a work of his that comes out of his free out of his free gift of grace. Yes, beloved, because Titus 2:11 tells us that this grace it teaches us through what the turning of our minds the whole mechanism of repentance if you will well it teaches us to reject all ungodliness and worldly and moral desires no longer do we want to live like this and this is the wonderfulness of grace repentance is a work of god who gives it to us as a grace gift thank you holy spirit so that we can in fact want to obey jesus without complaining about it without trying to justify and defend sin and and definitely not to use his grace as a license to keep on sinning no beloved repentance in this context the first part contrition leads to salvation because it produces within us knowledge of the truth that is saving knowledge the second part of repentance when we repent or rather when god grants us repentance we acknowledge that we are in fact sinners before God who are unworthy of his grace and put our faith in Jesus Christ as our only savior yes beloved don't you don't you love it because i'm looking at galatians 2:15 to 16 where is is telling us how we are justified by faith. So again, I don't maybe what they need to do is take the cotton out of their ears because no one is saying that good works. That any works of righteousness on our part brings us to this place of justification. No one is saying that, but because of faith in Christ, that whole turning of our minds, right? When we heard the gospel, right? That how Christ died and he was buried. And on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. how Jesus paid our sin debt that he took on the wrath of God in our place so that when we die we don't die as filthy lying wretched sinners going straight to hell tormenting in the flames as we await the final judgment only to stand before Jesus at the great white throne judgment where the books of our lives will be opened and all that filth we did Huh. we'll testify against us 
and that how our names will be searched to see, yes, Holy Spirit, to see if it's in the Lamb's book of life, and it will not be. It will not be. And the Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 15, that if anyone's name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, they will be thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus calls that the second death. So when we hear all of that, okay, because it's good news and that's the bad news. The good news is that God has made a way mm-mm, for sinners to be made right with him when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. So the question becomes, how do we get to that place to even think about placing our faith in someone who we can't see, we haven't met personally, he walked this earth in the body of a man over 2,000 plus years ago. And you mean to tell me that I got to believe that he is the only way to the Father? And the answer is yup. So there must be a turning of the mind to now believe that. Either you going to believe it or you are not. Amen. That was my phone ringing, but I said declined. So, when we hear the preaching of that gospel, the good news, you don't have to die in your sins. Christ Jesus, as they love to say, did it all for us at the cross. Amen. So, when you hear that, You go, hold up, wait a minute, hold the phone. I don't want to go to hell. I believe what you are saying to me. And then the person may even show you all of this in the Bible. God causes. I don't know how he does it, but thank God to his name that he does it. He grants us. To have this change of mind is like reformation. No longer. If you thought you were born again, well, no longer do you want to keep playing with this. You get the memo now. Oh, listen. To be born again is to be obedient and faithful. But if you have never come to Christ in the first place, this is brand new to you. And this is why the preaching of repentance for the forgiveness of your sins must be heralded. Mm-hmm. Because how is the person going to receive the wonderful gift of grace and salvation if there was never a turning of the mind. Something had to have clicked in your brain about this. Because just waking up one day out of the blue, never even heard the gospel, and now you are born again? No. Mm Mm-mm, beloved. So listen, 
as I bring this to a close, okay? Repentance, this whole conversion is a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. Acts 3.19 tells us, Repent therefore and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. So can't we see that repentance is critical? Critical. Because without repentance... Your sins will remain on your jacket, if you will. It will still be accounted to you. And this is why the devil comes against the preaching and teaching on repentance. That it's it's somehow a work. Like as if, you know, being, being obedient... Which we can't without Holy Spirit anyway. So I don't know what they talking about. Like like doing good works. Like like being a good Samaritan. You know, rescuing uh, cats from a burning house. Helping old people cross the street. As if those good works will somehow curry favor with God. And then we are saved. No. Repentance is not a work we do in order to be saved. First of all, repentance doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from God. Without God giving it to us, there will be no turning of the mind. How he does it, why he does it, you ask him. Ask him. (laughs) Okay? But praise his name that repentance is given. Oh, beloved, some things we just don't know. But aren't we grateful that we have such wonderful gifts? That's why it just burns me up. When when we try to use these precious gifts that we didn't even deserve in the first place and just abuse them. Oh, Oh, beloved, I told you, you cannot repent after death. The time to repent is now. Jesus said in Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Amen. Oh, beloved, 2,000 plus years ago, the Son of God initiated the last days by becoming flesh and thus bringing with him God's kingdom, his authority and rule to the earth. When Jesus said the time is fulfilled, he's letting them, he's letting the whole world know. The prophecies of the coming of the Messiah has now been fulfilled. God, Emmanuel, is tabernacling on the earth with his creation. Repent and believe the good news. Amen. Hallelujah.
Glory be to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Christ Jesus is now reigning as king through his body, the church. Those in whom he lives and has granted repentance, he will come again at an unknown day and hour to judge the living and the dead. This life is our only chance to repent, beloved. Our only chance to repent for salvation. We must repent to receive forgiveness from God and eternal life before it is too late. So, we have covered a lot today. Repentance is not something you do in order to become saved, as the saying goes, to be born again. Because, see, biblically, we ain't safe yet. So, I know we, we often use that term, well, you know what, I'm saved. No, we are being saved we are being sanctified and, and consecrated, being made holy so that when we finish this journey called life, we will stand before Jesus as faithful servants, having endured until the end. Or if we are that generation that he cracks open up that firmament and takes us out of here, then we will receive eternal life, not to mention glorified bodies. Oh, beloved, I'm telling you, there is much incentive to live clean and holy. Repentance is a work of God that he grants to us, enabling us by his Holy Spirit to not want to live a life that is characterized by sin. Because if we are deceived and living in grand delusion that we can go on sinning and still inherit the kingdom, we're going to perish. We do not know when death will come. Hebrews 9.27 says, as it is appointed once for man to die and after that comes the judgment God is being patient it is not his will that anyone should perish but that all men comes to repentance why Acts 17 30 to 31 because he has set a day when he will judge the inhabited world in righteousness by a man, Jesus Christ, whom he has appointed and destined for that task. What task? To be judge. Has appointed 
and destined for that task. And he has provided credible proof to everyone by raising him from the dead. Amen. And you know what verse 32 says? Because you see, I tell you, people don't believe nothing. They believe what they want to believe because Paul, oh my goodness, Paul, he was on a mission, wasn't he? Because he was given this sermon, this whole sermon on Morris Hill to the men of Athens because he had observed with every turn he was making throughout the city that they were very religious and devout. Mm-hmm. He says in verse 23, right? Now, as I was going along and carefully looking at your objects of worship, I came to an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Therefore, would you already worship as unknown? This I proclaim to you, the God who created the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, because it is he who gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he, verse 26, made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. Beloved, please let me not get off into another tangent about how we in fact live on a flat earth because Paul understood this just like everyone up until what about the 1500s around the time of Columbus trip around the world, whatever. Everyone knew that we, in fact, live on a flat earth that is encompassed by the firmament. It is a dome-shaped, crystallized structure. Think snow globes. Because the, the evil ones of this earth who knows this truth puts the truth of what God has done and created right in our faces at the same time telling you that how we live on a spinning blue marble that is hurling through space this this vast universe and that the sun is the center of the universe and all these planets who by the way have pagan demonic names listen god is will never create anything and give it a demonic name anyway that the sun is the biggest thing in the universe and how all of the planets revolve around it meanwhile not to mention the biggest lie going about the moon and how humans went out of the firmament apparently landed on the on a solid object called the moon when in fact genesis given the 
account of creation tells us that both the sun and the moon are lights. You can't land on a light. Oh, beloved, please, I begged you not to send me off on this tangent. Because Paul says, face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands and territories, this was so that they would seek God. If perhaps they might grasp for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and exist. That is, in him we actually have our being. Amen. As, as, even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. So then, being God's children, we should not think that the divine nature, deity, is like gold or silver or stone, an image Formed by the art and imagination or skill of man. Amen. And then we have verse 30. Therefore, God overlooked all of that madness, right? God overlooked and disregarded the former ages of ignorance. But now, he commands but now he commands all people everywhere to repent that is to change their old way of thinking yes to regret see beloved their past sins and to seek god's purpose for their lives why we already discussed why because, verse 31, he has set a day, beloved, and this day is called judgment. Oh, beloved, listen, I'm going to let you all go. I believe enough has been said. Christ Jesus, if you have repented, if you have now placed your faith and trust in him who died for our sins, taking on the wrath of God in our stead, our only response to that is, yes, Lord, and to remain faithful until we draw our last breath. Remember always, beloved, holiness is not optional. We don't get to say whether or not we are not going to obey Jesus Christ because he said, but unless you have a change of mind, unless you stop thinking that sin is the big time fun 
unless you respect God and understands, understand he ain't playing with that lake of fire. Well, just like death came suddenly on those who were in sin, it'll come on you too. But unless you repent, you too shall all likewise perish. And don't forget, perish doesn't necessarily mean to die. It is to be eternally separated from God in that lake of fire. Because Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And what kind of death is the Lord talking about? Is he talking about a physical death? Could be. In some cases, depending on what you doing. But he's talking about eternal separation. Because, yes, Holy Spirit, let us be reminded about what took place in the garden. Because Holy God told Adam. The day that you disobey me, you shall surely die. And when Adam did, in fact, disobey him, did Adam experience a physical death that day? No. So what died? His spirit died that day. And everyone born after Adam is born with a dead unregenerated spirit that needs to be transformed and regenerated it must be born again you want to know why yes holy spirit flesh and blood a sinner man whose spirit is not regenerated will not see the kingdom of God. Nothing evil, vile, wicked, and foul will ever enter his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, hallowed be thy holy name. Thank you, Father, for this word today. I pray that it brought you glory. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the gift of repentance. Thank you for sending us a Savior. Thank you for Holy Spirit. Thank you for wisdom. I give you thanks for everything in my life. Thank you for the home I live in. Thank you for the car I drive. Thank you for my children. Thank you for a regenerated spirit that is bent on loving you. Thank you for removing the scales from my eyes. Thank you for the promise and hope of eternal life when Jesus Christ returns. Keep me from falling. Continue to strengthen me so that I may endure until the end that I may remain faithful and obedient to your son who died for my sins thank you father God for saving my wretched lion soul I am eternally 
grateful and I shall be obedient. I pray for my brothers and sisters, the saints of God, that we remain faithful to Jesus, that we may hold fast to him, to his word, and only to receive his instructions in righteousness, godliness, and holiness. Thank you, Father, for it all. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Most High God. All right, my brothers and sisters, repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. And Lord willing, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Praise the Lord. guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.